Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Gideon Mendel is a South African-born photographer. He is here to exhibit his 10-year-long photographic project in which he records the effects of flooding disasters on ordinary people around the world. This falls part of his activism in the field of climate change awareness. The show opened earlier this week at the Witz Art Museum. Gideon joins me now to talk about his work as well as his other projects. Gideon, welcome and thank you for joining me. And um, thank you very much, Sherry. Um, Gideon, what drew you to the topic of flood disasters? Well, um, it came at a moment in my life. Um, the urge to take on the subject, I suppose, came at the point where, when I had young children. Um, and I was thinking a lot about the kind of world they'd be living in when they were my age. So I was imagining the world in 30 or 40 years' time. And I began to research it, and it got me really worried about issues of climate change, global warming, and the kind of world we bequeathing our children. Um, and it, it led me to the process of research. I began looking at the imaging of climate change. You know, my skill as a photographer and as an image maker, and I began looking at the kind of images which were out there depicting climate change. And I, I felt that many of them were very distant. There were often, you know, images of polar bears or glaciers or beautiful, threatened landscapes. But I wasn't seeing the people. I wasn't getting a visceral sense of the human beings that being threatened and affected by climate change. Um, so I, I set about this project trying to make something that was very direct and very focused. And I wanted victims of climate change to be looking directly in the eyes of the viewer. Hmm. Uh, Gideon, why, why are they flooding? Well, I mean, you know, I began as well kind of looking at other elements of climate change. And actually, I, I photographed a major drought in Kenya in 2007. Um, but there's something so immediate about the image of a flood. I mean, you know, we, we, we all know that in, in the, the Bible, in fact, every major religious system, um, has sometimes the needle myth of, of the flood, the sense of a force of nature which is completely overwhelming and destroys our lives and washes everything, washes everything away. Um, so I think the image of the flood is a very powerful image. And, you know, I tried responding to other kind of climate change kind of issues, but the moment I photographed floods, I realized that there's something so powerful about the image of the flood that it was sort of worth pursuing. And, it's become a kind of project where, you know, I've photographed in 13 different countries around the world, and in, many, in some countries many times, and returning to the flood is kind of a, um, it's kind of a witness, both literal and metaphorical. You know, that, that I'm using the metaphor of the flood as a way of talking about that, that threat, and, and despite the fact that floods have been happening since time, time began, what we are witnessing at the moment is an increasing number of kind of extreme climate events and you know, the amount of floods happening in the world in the last 10 or 15 years has increased dramatically. Gideon, do you then kind of like flood follow? Do you find out where there's a flood or and then fly to that yeah, area to photograph? How does it work? I mean, you can call me a flood vulture if you want. <laughs> um, okay. I am um, yeah, I mean, I've Follow the news. I mean, I, I, there's various kind of websites. I mean, there's something called Floodlist, which is a website which kind of 
and we quickly list any floods which are happening any, anywhere around the world. You know, so I, I, I am kind of on alert, but it is a logistical and research challenge because I want to get to floods when the river is still there. And I have made the mistake of traveling across the world to get to floods which have disappeared very quickly. <laughs> And, you know, so, so it is, you know, it's especially in 2011, I went to floods in Australia. There were huge floods in Brisbane and Australia. And by the time I got there, I got there when the water was still high, but it was almost like a toilet flush. It didn't last very long. It went above the height of people's houses, but, you know, the day after I arrived, most of the water had gone. Um, so it, you know, you know, so, so, so I, I spent quite a long time trying to research the floods, get a sense of how they're progressing. Sometimes, for example, floods in America, you can actually follow them as they move down river systems. Um, um, and, and I had experience, experience earlier this year, there were huge floods in Peru, which I, I really wanted to get to. Um, unfortunately, at that same point in time, I was moving my mother, my elderly mother, who's 94. We were in the process. My siblings were moving her into, into a home. And, you know, the week of the flood was the week I was due to move my mother, so I couldn't mm. Travel as you know as quickly as, as I wanted to, and I actually had everything really set up to travel. But by the time I was, you know, just my personal life free and ready to make the trip, the the, the water had receded. So, you know, I, I'm spending a lot of time back and forth talking to people, communicating with journalists, experts, trying to get some sense of what kind of progression is, is expected. And it's, it's not an easy thing to research. You know, if you Often, in terms of the media, the way the media responds to flood is they'll report flood when it's there, but they won't report when it's gone. Mm. But just getting that information is is a challenge. Um, I'm struggling. I feel as if I'm losing you, Gideon. I wonder if we should try and phone you again. Just uh, or, or, uh, or is there? Um, can, can you hear me? Does that sound any better, by the way? That sounds a lot better. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I, I was talking on speakerphone because I thought that would be more. That is much better. Okay. So, okay. so you're you're a, a flood vulture. You were just saying that uh, floods are reported as they're happening, but the impact and effect on people's lives are often just left left hanging. What have you discovered? Um, well, I mean, I think what floods represent and how floods. Happen as they, an expression of some kind of shared vulnerability. You know, that, that, I think all of our lives, we kind of set up a life to some extent which feels safe and secure. But, um, you know, things, when, when things like floods come along, it just shows how kind of vulnerable we actually are. And I think that's one kind of response people really have to the work when, when, when they see the photographs. Um, you know, getting a sense that across cultures, across the world, across, you know, different income levels, we all have a shared kind of vulnerability in our lives and we never know what's going to come along. And what has the impact on you been? Um, well, you know, people often ask me that question and, you know, kind of what is the psychological impact of kind of seeing seeing this kind of work, seeing, um, seeing what I see. And truthfully, it's something which I've done. It's something which I've kind of I'm very experienced at doing. I mean, I, I, I mean, if, 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 if anything, what I've seen has made me kind of much more of a climate change activist, much more aware that we need to really take action and kind of made me worry a lot about the world we kind of, we, 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 we passing on to our children. 
Um, and you know, I, I do feel um, the kind of climate disruption we've been seeing globally. You know, you know, in America and Portugal this, this year with, with with huge kind of fires, huge hurricanes, floods, and you know, even kind of locally in South Africa with you know huge a massive drought happening in the Cape. Um, you know, floods in Natal. You know, the, the, the kind of disruption we're feeling might just be the start of something which could get a lot worse. Hmm. Um, you know, so I can just feel this urgency of kind of feeling we kind of need to act and, and, and move. Um, but also, just uh, uh, perhaps also in response to your question about the impact on me, is I'll, I'll give you my wife's response, you know, because I've often spoken to her about the fact that this is a question I often get asked, and I never really know what, what to say, how to respond to it. My wife's response was, she said, get, get in, that's really easy. You know, you're the kind of person who, you know, struggles to connect with, you know, the people close to you, with your family, with your children and your friends, but you're very good at connecting with strangers in distress. Um, and that's, I think you find that often the case with, with, you know, people like me with kind of photojournalists and artists, we kind of very connected to our work and not always not that connected to the people we should be connected to. Or maybe it's just a kind of more com- more comfortable. I mean, I think I, I think that may, might be a discussion for a further show, and certainly lots that can be explored in that comment. But Gideon, Gideon, let's return back to the exhibition that has opened um, at Witz Art Museum this week. What was the reaction at the opening to your work? Um, I think people responded very strongly. I mean, you know, just to give you a sense of the way the exhibition is structured, there really are four different narratives. And people have quite different sort of responses to almost the different sections. So the central narrative, the spine of the project, is a series that I call Submerged Portraits. And they are, you know, in many ways, very conventional portraits of people gazing at the camera, framed quite conventionally. But what's disconcerting is that they are standing in flood water mm. within their homes or outside their homes or within their community. So they quite disturbing in some ways because in some ways they're very ordinary but they're also quite extraordinary in terms of the context and then the other series is a series which I call floodlines and it's a sort of exploration of the line of flood water as it moves through personal space and domestic space people's houses so you, and they're very geometric pictures a lot of reflections um, and again there's a strange element of seeing you know someone's living room with the curtains and paintings with a line of flood mover of, of, of flood water moving through the middle of it, um, and they also, they, those are a bit disconcerting because they're very calm, very geometrical images made in situations of extreme chaos. Um, and then there's a series which I call watermarks, which is a result of you know over the years I've collected individual family photographs, people you know flood damaged personal photographs. So sometimes. I've literally picked, plucked these images which have floated past me in the water. Um, sometimes I've found them once the water's receded and they're just amongst kind of debris. And sometimes they've been given to me by families and individuals who are photographed. Um, so I have an archive of a, you know, probably more than a thousand flood damaged personal pictures, not taken by me, but it's something I find really extraordinary about the impact of the flood water directly on the chemistry of these images. You know, so they are quite, they become quite abstracted, quite, you know, quite weird. And for a lot of people, as a reflection of kind of the, the damage climate change can do to kind of precious communal memory, they, they're quite emotional. 
in fact people often respond very emotionally to them because they the kind of ugly pictures we all have but yet they've been kind of destroyed and kind of manipulated by mm. by by the flood water and the final series is is, is is a video installation which is something which I call the water chapters and it's a series of kind of responses but made as short videos to, to floods in different countries hmm. absolutely fascinating Gideon, you you have always been a, an activist photojournalist uh, you grew yeah. uh, you i don't know if you grew up but you lived in Yeovil at the time of apartheid um has has the camera always been for you the tool of of exposing injustice or in this case climate change because I know you've also done work with HIV AIDS yes well I mean I, th- I think what happened to me is you know I, I, I grew up really much as a privileged as many of us did as a privileged white South African and um, I, I was drawn to photography and, and you know I, I guess I, I went to university and I, I learned about the politics of South Africa and I did a degree in African, African history but the camera kind of drew me and you know and for me to kind of began working as a, as a kind of documentary photographer. Um, but I just, by kind of circumstances in my age, I kind of came of age as a photographer in the era of what I call the struggle, the fight against apartheid in the 1980s. And I ended up, you know, witnessing a lot of the horrors of apartheid. You know, I witnessed, you know, a lot of violence, a lot of what was going on in the townships. And I think I responded to that visually as a photographer and I think that also marked, it had quite a deep impact on me, and it kind of marked me as a person. So it sort of sent me down this road in my life where I've always been compelled to respond to kind of the key social issues of, of, of I suppose, of, of our times. So, um, you know, I, I have been working and responding to kind of HIV and AIDS, and I still am working on the issue. And, and in fact, I've got an exhibition opening in London in 10, 10 days' time of work I did in an AIDS ward in London in, in 1993. Um, so, you know, I've spent a lot, spent the last 18, 19 years, I've been photographing HIV both in South Africa, in Africa, and, and globally. And, I mean, that work has progressed into a project called Through Positive Eyes, which is where, where we, hmm. in fact, have worked with groups of HIV positive people who photograph themselves and document their own lives. I mean, that project is, you know, very viewable online. It's called throughpositiveeyes.org. Um, you know, so, so I, I guess, um, this work is, again, it's, it's a development, it's, it's, a, it's another stage in my kind of work on making, um, you know, images, exhibitions, publications, which deal with, you know, the, the issue of climate change. But, um, Sharice, she called me a photojournalist, and I think probably at this point I've kind of, I've been expelled from the world of photojournalism, <laughs> and my, my work sits somewhere People find it hard to pigeonhole me. And, you know, if you think of a triangle, you know, the one edge of a triangle is where the work exists, I suppose, is in the world of documentary. The other edge is in the kind of art world. And the work works very comfortably in kind of a variety of gallery contexts. And the, 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 and, and the other corner of the triangle is um, activism. And the work, the work has been used in protests, it's been used in a variety of activist contexts as well. So it sort of sits between those three areas, and it tends to work, you know, it's been published a lot in the media, it's been published in National Geographic, you know, in many different, many different publications, it's going to be in the Saturday Star this weekend. Hmm. Um, so it has a lot in the media as well, so, you know, you can take it from any kind of angle, but um, I'm quite proud that it, it, it has, 
you know, it's got a strong life in, in, in all these in all these areas. And it might frustrate people who want to say, well, what are you? You know, are you an activist? Mm. Are you a journalist? Are you an artist? But you know, I'm, I'm happy to sort of combine all three. I, I suppose with activism comes a sense of can the camera lie? Because with activism comes pushing an, an agenda often. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, yes, and, and I guess I, I, I mean, um, well, I guess with this kind of work, that, that it is the kind of question of what is the camera doing, and, and what I mentioned about it, so it's not being, not really being a, really not being a photojournalist anymore, because I'm not going into these floods and responding as a typical photojournalist would do in terms of photographing people fleeing or photographing people fixing things. You know, that my response is to make these portraits, which and these other images which are quite constructed. You know, so, so they, you know, and it's more of a kind of collaborative process than conventional photojournalism would be. You know, so I'm engaging with people and I'm working with them to make an image and I'm, and I'm kind of positioning it, making it, I'm putting them in, in the kind of the right position to make the strongest possible picture. Gideon, one of the, I mean, obviously we, we were spoken about the impact this has on you, um, but you out there to give a, a voice to those who, who may not have that voice otherwise and uh, one of the people you met who I imagine had quite an impact on you was Florence in Nigeria sure do you want to tell that story okay of course well I mean I mean um, well I mean I've, I've met a lot of people and I've had a kind of a strong and interesting kind of connection with I mean Florence Abram was a person I met when I was photographing in the small town of Igbogeni which had been inundated by floodwaters in Bayelsa state in, in, in Nigeria and I mean often for me it works best to Focus on one community rather than rushing around the place. Mm. Yes, I, I'd focused on that community, and there was a, a kind of a little, almost tent village, part of which was actually flooded on the outskirts of the town, where where I met a lot of the flood victims. And I kind of, on the advice of my local kind of fixer who I was working with, set up a kind of a standard deal that I would do with all the people I photographed, and that I, um, I, I was everyone who took me to the home and. Um, allowed me to take a picture and speak to them and explore their kind of lives. Visually, I gave them a fee of $25. Mm. It was some kind of payment for their time and, um, you know, a recognition that I wasn't able to help them substantially, but it was some small contribution. And I met Florence in, the, in that kind of tented camp and she took me back to her, her home. And to get to her home, we had a you know, really wade through chest high water, which was kind of you can imagine was kind of logistically quite a challenge in itself. Um, we got to the home and she, she showed me, you know, she had a substantial house. Um, she was a baker and her bakery had been completely destroyed. She showed me her ovens that were destroyed. She showed me her storeroom of flour and stuff, which was, you know, obviously completely useless. She had no insurance at all. I mean, she had employed about 25 people who obviously would be losing their Income. There, were, there was another network of about 30 people who sold her bread as their kind of income you know, in, in the state, and they also were, you know, completely devastated. So, with no insurance and that kind of economic culture, the, the, the flood was a really devastating event for her. And um, I spent some time with her, shooting video and photographing her and talking to her. And yeah, I made a photograph, which for me is still my kind of favourite photograph in the project. You know, I positioned her in a behind a, you know, in front of a very, very blue wall, which makes for, you know, 
strong background, but there's a quality to her engagement with the camera, which is kind of riveting. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's really, really a great picture. So, um, and at, at the end of the engagement, you know, I, I tried to give her the twenty-five dollars as I was giving to everybody else, and her response to me was saying, "You know, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't want. To, I don't want to take your money, um, but I really want you to show the world what's happened to me." Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I think that's she kind of put a finger on what I bring to the table in the situation is that I offer some kind of deep witnessing of what people have experienced. So, Gideon, yeah, hello. Yeah, Gideon, so uh, on that note, if anybody would like to see your exhibition, it is at the Wits Art Museum. How long is the exhibition up for? And it's up till mid-February. Um, it's open from Wednesdays through to Sundays from 10 to 4. Um, you know, please come, please tell your friends and your family to, to, to come along. And, and you'll be available for questions. I'm, 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 Unfortunately, I'm, I'm I'm leaving the country, going back to London on Monday, but I think I'll be back in February. Okay, so if anybody would um, like to contact you? Um, you can always find me via my website, gideonmandel.com. Great. Gideon, thank email, you. Email address, email address on my website. Thank you so much for joining yes, me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very eager to hear people's responses. Gideon, thank you so much for joining me, and I wish you luck with the exhibition, and uh, look forward to following you uh, as you carry on with exposing your activism on events and social events in our society. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Sheree.